Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly, the podcast that loves Barack Yilmaz. You heard it here first. My name is Chris. I am your host and we have lots and lots to talk about this week. I feel like we say that every week, but genuinely this week has been pretty nuts. So I need panellists to help me with this. So welcome back, Jez, and good evening, Phil. Hello. Hello. Right. No messing about. No fluffing from me. No bad jokes. We're just going to get straight on with it. So title race. We're going back to front this week in terms of the schedule. The game of the weekend undoubtedly was last night's fixture. We're recording on the Monday after the night before, if you will. Jez, give me your opening thoughts on Lyon 2, Lille 3. It was a brilliant advert for French football, I thought. It was a fantastic game. It had pretty much everything, barring a red card or a squirrel on the pitch. Other than that, everything was there. What was your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was a, a brilliant match. Um, I don't want to say a great advert for Ligue 1 because that's another one of those cliches. But Sorry. <laughs> We have seen in the past that some of these big matches turn into a damp squib, but um, this one was was fantastic. Sort of arguably game of two halves, some real quality, a little bit of dross as well. Um, some real talented youngsters, a ridiculously talented veteran. Um, obviously a sort of big... Um, it's the right phrase, kind of flip in the situation of the match and huge repercussions for um, for the whole of Ligue 1. Fantastic celebrations at the end. I saw someone compare Galtier's sort of semi-backflip to, to Michael Thomas in 1989. I thought of you. <laughs> when I read that. Um, some really good goals, some dodgy goals. Um, it really did have a little bit of everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the, the, I mean, there's, there's so much to go into, but the, the first thing I'm going to sort of ask you straight off the back of this result, um, unfortunately, we do sort of have to cover the, the kind of the negative. So it might be a good time if you're a Leon fan to, to tune out now. Uh, title race done for them, Jez? Are, are, are you willing to put your head on the block and say that result has killed their chances? Technically, it's only a few points off, but it's the momentum, isn't it? it it's like you could see head in hands, um, it, it just it felt like the end for, for Leon and, and for Rudy Garcia's men and and Rudy Garcia probably has a lot of questions to answer today about his team selection. There's um, I mean, there's no such thing as momentum with Leon anyway. <laughs> That's uh, probably a fair point. Yeah, I think it is over. I, I can't, you know, I think knowing Leon, they're perfectly capable of beating Monaco next week, for example. But I just, I don't think all three teams ahead of them are going to drop enough points for them to, to somehow leapfrog them all between now and the end of the season. Um, in terms of Garcia's selection yesterday, I don't have huge issues with that. Um, Even the centre-backs? Deschilio, who's a, a full-back and not a brilliant full-back playing at centre-back? Marcelo left out? True. I, don't, I don't think he played too badly, actually. Um I don't, I, I'm not sure the fault was there. I mean, even in the second half, when Lille were on top, they had chances. I mean, you know, if Tokyo Kambi was a better striker, I think they'd have won that match re relatively comfortably in the end. Mm. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, 
similarly in a way to PSG, I think Lyon sort of focused on the wrong positions and, and haven't really strengthened in the areas where, where there is a real sort of lack of quality. Um, and yeah, I agree that sort of the, the left side of, of defence is an issue. And as for me, it's a real shame that Bard had such a poor match because um, you know, I, I think he's one who's been pushing for that left back spot and I think deserves more of a chance. And yeah, again, it's got to see a sort of um, reluctance to, to put too much faith in youth, whatever he says. Um, but, you know, he gave him the chance yesterday. He didn't really grab it. But you know, I, I didn't think Decidio was was sort of any more or less at fault than, than um, other players that you'd expect to be a, a, of kind of better quality, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't, don't think he played particularly well, particularly badly on the night. It's just more like the overall kind of thought. I just felt it just wasn't. I don't know, just something about it just kind of made me double take and think, mm, is this the right lineup he's gone for here? But nevertheless, um, that's what happened. So we uh, we should talk about Lille, though, Phil. What did you make of their performance? I mean, to, to come back, uh, I just thought there's so many things to pick out from this, but Gaultier's man management I thought was really good. The the free kick from, from Barrett Yilmaz right on halftime was an absolute peach and at such a key time in the game. And and then obviously the equaliser from Jonathan David, who's who's certainly come on leaps and bounds in in 2021, and then Borak again. I've never seen a man move that fast of of that much of a size, but to move at that speed, pull away from the defender, <laughs> and then just dink Lopez. I mean, it was just the most impotent finish. It, it, it was lovely, but also he had the assist for the David goal. Yep, I didn't. Uh, you're really looking at Lille as being, you know, Team Jonathan is one thing, but um, the uh, I don't know the the enthusiasm, the motivation that comes from Yilmaz um, is so important because we've always got obviously Mike Mayon who has been fabulous goalkeeper this year. And you look at um, the, the second uh, Leon goal, he was wiped out by one of his own defenders. And then there was the young goal. It's like, he's doing his best, bless him. Um, and if they can just organize themselves in front of him that would be a good thing but I think Leo I was thinking at half time that they're done this is you know the class more is going to be with PSG and then they came back from 2-0 down they came back to win 3-2 yeah. that's I mean, that is a real special game. And I think a lot of people who don't watch a lot of Ligue 1 saw this and were like, oh, that's cool. That's a fun game to watch. We have no skin in the game and this is brilliant. And that's a really cool thing to see, I think. Yeah, it's not about who you support. It's this was a really cool game of football, and I mean, 
Lyon fans are probably going to be banging heads on the wall, but for those of us who are just watching it as a football match, it was brilliant. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I, 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 thought, I, I think the the overriding sort of feeling I got um, from this game, sort of in, in summation, was this was the, the archetypal performance of of champions. You know that that grit, the determination, the ability to come back from from adversity. And you know, Leon were certainly had their tails up. And you know, at one point, the team that started the weekend in first were, were in fourth, <laughs> and then it all changed around. The um, the credit, as I say, for me goes to Gaultier, but but for for Neil for for battling and that performance is just just a, a real spectacle to take in and, and something I, I really enjoyed. But uh, coming into the weekend, we uh, we knew this was going to be well. I say we knew it's going to be the good the, the good and the big game. We didn't know how good a game, but we knew it's going to be the big game certainly. But um, Jez, you were probably at the heart of of the the PSG game, and I want to tie Monaco into this because. Uh, Monaco have had some fantastic games this season. The away win 1-0 at Angers, courtesy of Wissam Ben Yedder's goal on a sub, was probably not in the highlight catalogue, uh, if I'm being completely honest with you. But um, Ben Yedder scoring something other than a penalty is a highlight. That is also true, yes. Yeah, that would be fair to say. Uh, but uh, he got the winner. But probably the, the more enjoyable, uh, maybe not for you, but the more enjoyable game was PSG's win over Mets, um, Kylian Mbappe, pretty much at the heart of it. It was um, a pretty decent game, I thought. Mets levelling just after half-time certainly made a game of it for, for periods. And I thought they were a little bit unfortunate, even in the first half, to, to be behind. But um, nevertheless, PSG sort of grinding into gear just at the right time. Where, where Where's your sort of thought process on what we have to call the challenges in PSG and Monaco at the moment? Um, I just want to quickly add on Lille, Against all of the other top three, I think they've got four points out of six um, against all of them. Yes. Which is, you know, you said the stuff of champions. That really is. The only thing is that they need to cut out the defeats against Nîmes and, and draws against Montpellier. That's what's going to slip them up. But in theory, they've got a decent run in. Mm. And, you know, obviously, if they can beat the likes of PSG and come back to beat the likes of Lyon, then... Um, they're sort of rightfully at the top and, you know, I'd hope that they can carry that through to the end of the season. But I just worry that they've still got a couple of slips in them. Yeah. Um, PSG, they're... I mean, first of all, just to, to cover mess. I mean, they played mess at a good time. They're, they're, they're tired. They're sort of unmotivated. They've achieved everything they needed to achieve this year. Um they're sort of coming off the back of a pretty difficult run of matches. Um, and it was pretty, st I mean, it was annoying because I felt like Mess gave PSG all their goals. I don't think PSG had to work hard for them at all. Um, and at one all, I think Saar had a great shot that Navas saved and, you know, what might have been if that had gone in, I guess. But it was a relatively comfortable win for PSG, really. Um, but... It's another win for PSG. And, you know, even when certain other players are not playing at their best or certain players are injured, Mbappe is just in absolutely fantastic form at the moment. Isn't it just, um, yeah. and, and, you know, we know, even though there's still some sort of 
English commentators or maybe German ones now that, that would have you believe otherwise, just what an absolute sort of unique generational talent he is. And, and yes, he has blips. Yes, he can be extremely frustrating at times. Yes, he, he's got a little bit of Neymar-itis in terms of the arrogance, but he's also a superb footballer. Um, and um, yeah, he can sort of, he alone can kind of hide various sins that the rest of the team may commit by just coming up with one or two pieces of brilliance. And obviously that that may or may not be crucial as, as we get to the Champions League semi-finals. But for me, PSG is still the favourites just because all things being equal, they should absolutely win every match they've got left. Whereas I could still see Lille or even, I'm going to say even Monaco dropping points. But you look at Monaco's recent form, they haven't even conceded a goal in their last, if you include all competitions, um, they've conceded one goal in their last, so how none in their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> and only one goal in their last 12. And that was the criticism, wasn't it? The defence, which is kind of amazing yeah. when you read that yeah, stuff. Tightened that up and they do look awesome. And I do, I mean, part of me feels like I know it's a ridiculous thing to say because, you know, the table doesn't lie and everyone plays 38 games and, you know, wherever you are at the end of the season is where you deserve to be. But there's something about the fact that they've been allowed to play with complete freedom and sort of Lille, PSG and, and Lyon have kind of beat themselves and each other up, challenging all year for the title and Monaco have crept in behind. And just because I'm really bitter, it sort of reminds me of when Lens won the league in 98, where it's like Mess, Marseille and Monaco the whole season were kind of vying for top spot and suddenly this other club sort of just pips them at the post. And I just, yeah, I mean, you can't argue with yeah, Monaco's I... form, but I just, all things, I just, I really, really think that Lille deserve it. Yeah. Based on that they've kept up this, this form, different, you know, survived little dips, injuries, played different styles, all the way through the season, right from the start. Force of nature. I think, yeah, I, I sympathise, empathise, whatever, but I think like uh, uh, our friend uh, Tarek Amir says, he thinks that Monaco are going to win. And yeah. I... I, I have this kind of situation where, yes, Lille might be the guys that are the, what's it, pacemakers? Mm, out in front, yeah. And then the actual runner comes through. I think I think the thing with Monaco yeah. is, is it's how much longer can this run go on for me? I think that's the only thing. It's the only, not even question mark, it's just the only thing that I would put to them is like, how long can they can they keep this unbelievable run going? Um, and it and it kind of sucks because on another any other season, I would want Monaco to do this 100%. But I just think, Leal, over the course of the time of this season, they've just been so consistently good. Um I just, I would really like to see them, see them do it. Um, oh, so. you would too, but it feels like you know, you you watch occasionally on YouTube the uh, the runners doing the eight hundred, four hundred meters, and 
there somebody's out in front and then somebody comes up from behind it. It just feels like this Monaco could really kind of take it, take this if somebody else has done all the hard work and they're like the goose that is in the Wind. The only thing I'd say is looking at Monaco have got a a relatively tough um, run in. So I mean, if they do do it, they really will have deserved it. Is that your agent, Jess? <laughs> Sorry, that's, uh, that was Kovac. Uh, oh, was that, was that Kovac? Yeah, haven't given them given them enough credit. Um, that's where. I think last they'll have to play all three teams. So that they're going to be sort of kingmakers. And Ren, who obviously in very good form since Genesio's come in, they've still got PSG and Monaco. So it's not entirely straightforward. No. He really wants to speak to you, doesn't he? <laughs> Let's well, while while Jez um answers the call to, to Nico Kovac, we'll um We'll, we'll just have a look at where the, the title race stands right as we stand right now, which is Lealar currently top after that win last night, 73 points and a plus 35 goal difference from PSG, one point clear of PSG, 72 points with a 51 plus 51 goal difference, um, who are one point ahead of Monaco, bang in form, plus 33 goal difference, 71 points, and Leon now sort of falling off the pace, four points adrift, in fourth, 67 points. I mean, they're pretty much assured of finishing in, in fourth in those European places, but uh, that defeat probably going to spell the end of their title challenge for this season, one would imagine. Um, I wanted to have a... We want to have a look. We will we will go through the other results, but we wanted to have a, a turn the focus on something a little bit further down the table uh, next up, and that is the, the plight of Bordeaux, because um, lots is going on. Uh, time of recording there isn't technically such thing as administration in in france but to use as kind of an english twist it's kind of where they are at the moment they're well, essentially um, i think what we've got is the equivalent is they've called in the receivers yes exactly being being and, wound up and that means that they will hopefully get to the end of the season but why exactly um, King Street pulled out now is is an issue. Um, it happened in the same week that the ESL shenanigans happened. So you might think that they were hoping this would be good week to bury bad news but it seems a very very strange time to be uh pulling out from them yeah so, i i well, thought alan, alan Gires, obviously a bordeaux a hero on rmc saying they're totally incompetent yeah and there's, yeah, there's so much going on. I mean, you're right, founded in 1881, pro in 
So many cups, Ian Stoker Cup. How this has happened is terrible. We've had, and Jess has talked about this before, how serious the behind the scenes thing is, because we've talked about, for example, uh, Long Kishoni talking about the kind of atmosphere in the dressing room. This is horrible. His this face. really is horrible. His face was what is happening on the bench at the weekend. Um, just, wow. Yeah, that, that, that was what struck me. Um, we should mention that there's two teams involved in this game, Jez and, and Loriana. Uh, naturally, I want to give a bit of credit. They won the game by four goals to one. Uh, Terra Moffi further enhancing his reputation with a hat-trick to add to Johan Wisser's other goal. Um, I did tweet, uh, rather tongue-in-cheek, namely about a duo, our weight. But they are certainly doing all they can to keep Lauren in, in the top flight. The only downside was that uh, Nantes below them got a win as well, which we'll come on to. But what's your view on, on this Bordeaux situation? As much as I'd love to to, to praise Lorient to the hilt, uh, I'll save that for a rainy day. But Bordeaux is the story here, isn't it? Um, you know, Lauren Kashani head in hands for the majority of the game. Um, we saw the Bordeaux technical staff um, getting very, very uh, cheesed off, I think is a polite way of putting it towards the end in relation to a decision. Just everything about the club seems a bit rotten, doesn't it? Uh, you know, obviously the manager is probably going to move on. I mean, pick the bones. Where, where do you want to begin? Yeah, I think it's reasonable to kind of separate the two because... Um, what's happening off the pitch has sort of been brewing for a good two, three years. And this is the culmination of, of sort of what I think a lot of people have been fearing but expecting to happen for a while now. And, and yeah, in the, in the same week that, you know, the Super League sort of happened and didn't happen and, and we saw a lot of the consequences of having sort of disgusting foreign owners who don't actually give a shit about football and are only there to make money. Um, you know, it's all very well for these sort of super rich, super successful clubs to, to kind of have a project that crashes and burns and then they're fine. But um, we're seeing with, with Bordeaux and obviously in England, we're seeing with a lot of clubs lower down the, the pyramid. But um, now we're seeing it in, in France as well, that actually it's it's a lot more serious and, and sort of for some clubs, it's kind of, you know, it can potentially be terminal. And Bordeaux is such a great club with a great tradition, some you know, some real legends of the game, but particularly France legends have, have kind of come through the club and made their name there. And and it's just it's so sad to to see that happen to a club like that. You just look at the, the sort of former players who all kind of um you know um pull together to to condemn what's happening and to to give their support to uh to the club or the fans or you know again that's something that's come up a lot this week how do you find, define a club I guess but you know seeing the likes of Zidane, Gires, Luzarazu, Trezor all these people who, who you know real legends of the game coming together Gorkouf turns up at the at the training ground this yeah. week um, it's just you know I, I don't know uh, yeah okay but I, I don't know what they can do you know short of getting the, the boss of Spotify to kind of maybe be distracted from North London or something like that. But yeah. Um, yeah, but but with that said, on the pitch, I just 
I've never entirely bought this. You know, the players are affected by what's going on in the boardroom. Um, and even if it's reasonable for, you know, if that's a reasonable excuse for this weekend against Lorient, the whole team have been underperforming for a long time now. And there's there's too many rumours of, you know, if, if Gasset can't pull a team together, we saw what he did at, uh, or previously at Bordeaux and under Blanc and Saint-Étienne and how the Saint-Étienne players loved him. If he can't get a whole dressing room sort of pulling together in the same direction, then there really is a problem. Um, and, and yeah, as Phil alluded to, Koscielny, who, you know, generally I think comes out of this reasonably cleanly, you know, Costil, who you'd think would, but I've seen a couple of people criticising him as well. Then Arthur, unsurprisingly, looks like the cause of some of the tensions. There's there's big issues there on the pitch as well. And um, I don't think what's happening off the pitch should be an excuse for what is a obviously not the most talented squad in the world, but they certainly shouldn't be heading in the direction they're going in. And and as long as Lorient Nantes are picking up points, I do start to worry a little bit for Bordeaux because um, you know, I spoke to Raphael Jacobin the other day. He's very active on Twitter and a Bordeaux fan. And he, he said he, he really struggles to see them getting another point this season. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Based on that performance, I mean... Obviously, as I say, you know, I, I am, of course, biased based upon the fact that I wanted Lorient to win. Of course I did. But uh, I was just as just as struck by how bad Bordeaux were. There was no fight. There was no no enthusiasm, no enthusiasm sorry, no drive. They, they just, they looked beaten, really, as soon as they came out, um, if that. I think, I think um, given what came out earlier in the week, you played them at the right time. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more with that. But, but there's but there's a, a right time to play someone, and then there's taking advantage of that time, and and that's what I think was what Lorient did very well. But th- th- it was it was just a lack of fight, and and for a club of Bordeaux's history and you know standing in in in, in French football and and not just French football, European football. I mean, this is a club that people people will, will know of around the world it's they're not a small you know club that's that's just been bought out by a lot of oil you know they're a big name club it's just pretty embarrassing but, uh, but they have been they've been bought out by uh, what do you call it uh, uh, the capital fund yeah and they've decided five games away from the end of the season to pull out. Mm. And I was thinking when I saw this happen, because uh, obviously the whole ESL uh, chaos was happening at the same time, maybe they're thinking, oh, this is a good time for us to do it because we we'll go under the radar and no one will notice. Yeah. And I think maybe in the broader football term, yes, but Bordeaux fans will notice. Yeah, and well, that's that whole situation is horrible. Why do it now? Yeah, because well, you don't think they're going to stay up. Well, you just basically ensuring they don't stay up 
if you do this at this point of the season. It's this is it's just horrible. It's just yeah. horrible. It is again. It, I think the bottom line is they don't care about football. I mean, I think I've mentioned this yeah. before, but their promotional leaflets to try to to bring money into the club. They had a photo, supposedly, of Bordeaux Stadium. They actually put a photo of Toulouse's stadium in the brochure. And they, they, yeah. they showed um, all the great players that have come through Ligue 1. And they sort of, their main two photos are Griezmann and Pogba, neither of whom have played in Ligue 1. So these are complete, not only ignorant, but idiots as well. Yeah, and, I, um, um, and I think I'm... Um, I need to, we need to do a bit of a clarification and uh, correction situation. Last week, Chris. Yes. You and I talked about, and we talked about the ESL. And I said that the people in charge of this might be venal, amoral dickheads, but they weren't idiots. I would like to retract that statement and say that it appears that they are actually idiots as well. It sort of comes across that way. Um, So I was just assuming that they were not pricks, but apparently they are. And I think this is something that, you know, goes a bit broader in a football uh, management more generally. I'm just very, yeah, I'm just very concerned about, uh, you know, a club of, of Bordeaux standing, as I say, you know, I keep saying the same thing, but yeah, a club that size should not be in the situation and in the mess that they are in. And that's what worries me. But I guess we will see. I did mention that, um, that Strasbourg, uh, did pick up, uh, sorry, that Strasbourg, that Nantes did pick up a very important win. It was over Strasbourg, got them on the brain. Um, big win that for Cumbarari's men coming from behind as well. Uh, Jorge had put Strasbourg in front and I thought, oh, okay, well, that's that done. And then uh, Castelletto and uh, Ludovic Blas, who else coming up with the goods to rescue Nantes? All three points, which, uh, yeah, given the fact that Lorient looked so impressive and won that game over Bordeaux, that's... Uh, that results um, certainly needed for Nantes. It does, in fact, uh, officially confirm, along with uh, Nîmes, Nîmes' defeat, unfortunately for them, we'll come on to that, but it does confirm the relegation for Dijon, uh, who finally have had the rug pulled out from under them after a pretty humiliating defeat to Rennes by five goals to one. Uh, I saw Rich was uh, gleefully enjoying this one, so good luck to him. Uh, Benzia had actually put Dijon in front, but uh, Terrier double Floriente, uh, Nimasi and Grenier with the other goals, 5-1 and Dijon are done. Uh, Lons beat Nîmes by two goals to one. Ganago and Hidara with the goals for the home side. Ferhat had pulled one back for Nîmes from the penalty spot. Uh, also, Lons survived this game for 70-odd minutes with 10 men. Uh, Silla was actually sent off. So good result for Lons in their continued uh, pursuit of European places, which is looking pretty decent. Just while we're on the subject of European places, uh, Marseille, um, you know, credit where credit's due. 
Um, you know, I, I think we've we've said a few things about certain parts of uh, Marseille's team and setup and everything throughout the season. Dimitri Payet has suddenly decided he's a footballer again. Um, and my God, what a performance he put in in this particular game as they beat Raz by three goals to one. He was pretty much at the heart of everything. And it's fair to say Sampaoli has, um, has found a tune out of this Marseille side, and it, it's very much looking likely to be uh, either Marseille or, or Lons who grabbed that fifth spot. Ren is still within a shout, though, just a point back. Literally a point separates, uh, sorry, two points separate three clubs between fifth and seventh. So that race is looking spicy as well. Given I, the fact we've got... I, just one point to note there. Um, I think on the half hour, uh, face from Lance went in really high tackle yes. on Pyatt in the centre circle. So it's like not you know, not a particularly uh, dangerous place to be. And he was really lucky to stay on the pitch. Yeah. And then on 70 minutes, he was sent. Um, yeah. And he, to be fair, should, probably should not have been on that pitch for the kind of 40 minutes in between because it was an an awful tackle that he yeah. put in and I think Rance there were he did not do the many favours no. no I think it's fair to say that Marseille were the dominant force in this particular game but uh, yeah Rance kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit in that in this particular game um, elsewhere, we did see um, an entertaining game for Bills Montpellier, actually, who uh, lost the game from uh, taking the lead early on through Gates on the board, but ended up losing to Nice by three goals to one. Badawi, uh, Jean-Claude Tadibo with his first goal in Ligue 1, and uh, Claude Maurice with a, a third to wrap the points up. A really entertaining, watchable game this on the Sunday lunchtime. Um, we also saw Brest with a 2-1 come-from-behind win away at St Etienne. Big result that for, for Brest. It's pretty much um, secured there. Two goals as well. He just keeps grinding. <laughs> um, 40 points now for Brest. You'd think that's going to be enough. It does it once again ask a small question of St Etienne. Only probably a small question, but they probably need one more win, I would suggest, just to be 100% sure. Also but, um, the Etienne Green yes. did another really good job. Yeah. So that's again uh, nominative determinism. Yeah. And yeah. Yes, indeed. I would. Uh, yeah, I'd say. I'd, I'd say. I think. I think St Etienne. Pro, I'd say probably one more win, maybe even one more point, but certainly one more win should do it. But um, you have got this clutch of clubs now that are definitely scrapping it out with um, with. Uh, what are we talking? Four games to go. Um, we've got. Uh, We've got Nîmes, who are on 31 points in 19th. Uh, technically, they are um, in the relegation zone in terms of the goal difference. So they are, as it stands, going down automatically, minus 29 goal difference. And they are separated by that goal difference of minus 17, which is what Nantes have. And on 31 points, they're in the playoff spot. You've then got uh, Lorient on 35 points. Uh, and just above it, then you've got Bordeaux on 36 with all their consecutive losses in a row. Oh dear. Oh, wow. <laughs> they were perilously falling like a stone. 
exactly. Yeah. Um, you've got Strasbourg just above them, one point above them after their defeat uh, to Nantes, and obviously that gap closing. And then St Etienne on 39 points, as I say, probably going to be OK. Um, so, yeah, it's it's closing up um, just, just in time for the end of the season. So I think it's probably... It, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my neck out and say it's up to Strasbourg for me at the moment, um, and, and I think any team in and around that area they, they they're going to need to keep winning just to keep their head 100% above water. But um, I'm just hoping that uh, that Lorient can um, can indeed keep themselves up. If you look at the fixtures as well as we as we head into to next weekend, um, Lorient are at home to Angers, and based upon the fact that Angers are pretty much on the beach, you you think that's a winnable game. Um, Sanetian away at Montpellier, which, you know, we know that's a difficult place to go, of course. Bordeaux at home to Rennes. Rennes just finding form. Bordeaux, you know, we've been there, we've done that. Marseille host Strasbourg. You wouldn't really put too much money on Strasbourg getting too much there. And uh, Nantes are away at Brest, who obviously pretty much secured their safety. And I'm missing, uh, missing Nîmes, who host Rams. This is a, a weekend, if ever there was one, for both Lorient and Nîmes to potentially flex their muscles and, and really shoot up uh, in terms of points and, and drag other teams in. So it's going to be a very interesting, uh, very interesting weekend ahead in terms of the, the lower end of the table, I would suspect, but we'll keep tabs on that. Um, before we uh, kind of wrap up, we want to, um, to um, mention the Women's Champions League and also the Coupe de France, but, but just before we do that, um, Jez, I wanted to just mention to you or ask you really your thoughts ahead of the PSG Manchester City tie because uh, Champions League is back in focus again this week. Um, what, what's what's your kind of overarching thoughts on this one? Because some people seem to think it's Manchester City's year and the people that don't think that think it's PSG's year and so it goes back and forth. The home leg is in Paris. It's in two days' time on the Wednesday. What's your kind of thoughts and what do you think PSG need to take from this first First leg. I mean, obviously, win ideally. But what do you think? Um, it's hard to sort. Of, I think it's hard to predict anything because both clubs are, both teams are, let's say, unpredictable. I mean, obviously, in a domestic sense, they're not at all. They're pretty dominant, and Manchester City, especially this year, even though obviously apparently France is the Farmers League. But um, I just. <laughs> It, it, I think for both, it depends who turns up. Is it the sort of domestic team or is it the Champions League serial underachievers? I think in a, in a way, even though it, it's absolutely crucial to PSG and what they want to achieve, I think in a way that there's more pressure on, on Manchester City because PSG did get to that final this year. Manchester City have, I think, only got to one semi. As we've said numerous times before, they're project has been going on for longer than PSG's. They spent a hell of a lot more money than PSG. They've got um, arguably the, the best coach in the world who still hasn't even got them to a semi-final um, so, uh, until this year. So I think in a sense there's, there's more pressure on, on City um, and I think PSG can do it. I expect that City will probably in both matches have most of the possession. And then again, it's it's what PSG do when they have it and what Verratti, if he's playing Neymar and Mbappe, can, can do with the chances they get. And as we said, with the form that Mbappe is in, 
anything can happen. And even if City dominate PSG, as we saw against Bayern, they can score goals because they're so dangerous um, when when they do have the ball. Um, I don't know if sort of being home or away first makes much difference. Um, PSG home form in Champions League, frankly, is is not very good. Um, so on that basis, you could argue that maybe sort of um, even a nil-nil draw, as long as they don't sort of concede any away goals, arguably is not the worst result in the world. And to, to sort of come away with a narrow lead would be great. Um, but that's obviously assuming that they, they turn up and have a, a better game away from home, and which which you can't guarantee, even though that's that's sort of what they've been doing the last the last couple of years. Um, so I, I really don't know what to predict. Like I, th- I think a narrow lead for PSG would be great, but um, yeah, I think sort of one nil would be. I mean, obviously two or three nil would be great, but I think one nil would probably be ideal. Yeah, because you could still see PSG scoring in Manchester um, and then yeah. the owners on Man City have to, to score more. Yeah, that's my concern, I think, is that I can see both teams scoring away from home. Um, I just, I sort of, that PSG defence can sometimes be brilliant and other times you just don't know and it just depends which one turns up and in attack, there's absolutely no doubt they've got enough to get at Man City. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like anything that we can predict with any certainty is that Jonathan Wilson will write some really bitter article. <laughs> and Barry Glendening will have a moan about how he hates PSG. Yeah, um, but City are fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 I sort of basically I feel like PSG need to win to nil, um, you know, one or two to nil. I think if if Man City score, I think I think PSG need three at home. That's I know that's just the most obvious thing in the world to say, but that's kind of just how I see it. And in a weird way, as you said there, like a low scoring, um, you know, a nil nil or one one wouldn't actually be the worst result. Although I I, I don't want to jinx it, but I I can't I just can't see these two teams keeping it tight in either leg. To be fair, um, but I guess we will we will soon see. And um, PSG host Lens next week in, in Liga, which is a tricky looking tie in between these two Man City ties, uh, particularly with Lons with their own interests at heart. So, um, yeah, title race could still take a uh, an interesting twist. Uh, and we should mention next Sunday is Monaco against Lyon. Uh, and although we've kind of ruled Lyon out of the title race now, uh, wouldn't it be just them to go and stick a spoke in, in Monaco's wheels? So that will be must view next weekend. Um, the so. team, sorry, go on. No, I said I hope so. <laughs> and uh, Lille host Nice, which again, you know, at home, but arguably Lille have struggled uh, a little bit more at home recently than, than away from home. So that could be a tough one with Nice finding an element of uh, a form in recent weeks as well. So certainly one to look out for. Uh, Phil, we've got the um, Women's Champions League, Barcelona and PSG. Your yes. thoughts? Oh, it was tight. The first leg of the semi-finals was PSG one, Barcelona one, um, and this was it was kind of a, it was quite a robust match. Um, we had both Barca centre backs booked. Um, Paredes for PSG was booked and probably should have given away a penalty. Um, unsur- surprisingly, uh, Kira Hamway 
was not booked. Um, which those who have followed uh, French football, uh, French women's football over the past couple of years will be surprised by. It was kind of the, the uh, goalkeepers who had a big part to play in this. Endler for PSG was very good, had to deal with some really bad back passes from her uh, defence. Uh, Sandra Panos for uh, Barcelona, again, did a good job. She's the Spanish um, uh, international goalkeeper. So it just felt like PSG don't take their chances. We saw this in the quarterfinals against Lyon over two legs. They make really good chances, but they don't convert them. And so we're looking at Barcelona have uh, an uh, away goal. This is going to be a very interesting second leg. So I think PSG aren't the better team, but if they can't convert what they make, then fine. Yeah. So yes. th this is, I think, a very interesting situation. I think it's very interesting that a lot of people are saying, oh, Lyon have been dumped out by PSG. PSG are ahead in the league. PSG might win, yeah. given. It's not like they've been knocked out by, you know, Ipswich or something. Um, PSG are actually a really good team. And I think a lot of people just assume that OL are it. Yeah, and I think you're gonna have to deal with the fact that PSG are it too over the next couple of years. So that. that's uh, that's an interesting situation. Um, we also had obviously the Coupe de France quarterfinals happened last week. We have a minnow through Rumi of um, the fourth tier who will be playing. Monaco. They beat Toulouse 2-0 um, in the quarterfinals and uh, Montpellier beat Canet. PSG hammered Angers 5-0 and Monaco beat uh, Lyon 2-0. So we've got a situation where it's Montpellier PSG and Rumier uh, versus Monaco. But I, I actually think that that's the best draw for Rumier. Because if you're going to, as a fourth tier side, you have battled and fought and done all you can and you get to this point and Going down in flames is fine. Does that sound weird? No, no, I, I, I can see what I can see what you see your point. I, I, yeah, I think it's kind of one of those. Um, 
situations where you just never know you know in the coupe de france you just never know i mean you know rimini on their day i think it's fair to say they're definitely not favorites but yeah i i could i could see something transpiring in those i think the, the biggest problem that all the clubs are going to have other than psg is the fact that psg are probably going to make the final <laughs> that's probably where the dream ends but the 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 coverage that the that the the amateur game gets uh, in terms of the Coupe de France and, and just the overall reporting and the uh, the fact that it turns the spotlight on teams that normally you'd just be like who the hell are they I mean rumor really of I I mean you you just wouldn't have known unless you were a very deep follower of French football whom they were or what they represented and the fact we've had such amazing stories and the fact that we've seen so many as loads of Instagram footage that I watched them at the weekend just absolutely fantastic it's just the biggest just biggest result in their history hands down and the fact that they've now been rewarded with a tie like monaco i guess part of, part of them might have wanted to go to, to pdp and play play psg but i think knowing that they can host monaco and but maybe yes, on I their think day that if they'd played uh if they'd been drawn with on for example we could have been looking at a really dull nil nil and then someone goes through on penalties and it's probably Mombay. Yeah. If, I, I, you, uh, if, if you play Monaco, it's going to be chaos. They I, can't defend. So you might score. It's going to be great. It, Like I say, going down in flames is... Maybe better than just a saltifying nil nil, and then ah, we go out on admin. Oh, I, I, I think I, they got I a chance. I don't know. I maybe I'm being dramatic, but oh, I, I think I think there's I think where there is hope, there is always a chance, and I certainly wouldn't rule Montpellier out. But the the thought of probably a PSG Monaco final, I think, is is fairly likely. Um, but oh, yeah, I think Monaco. I think Montpellier are going to get hammered. My <laughs> point is, Rumi, how are they going to go? Yeah. I, 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 if, if they'd gone with PSG, if they'd gone with Montpellier, I think them against Monaco is the best draw possible. Because I, I, they just, everybody can just go for it. I think uh, I think Rumeli will will hold their own, but I think ultimately Monaco's class will will see them through. Um, but we will we will soon find out. Thursday the Wednesday and Thursday the twelfth and thirteenth of May, so uh, just over a week and a half's time. So um, we will of course keep you in touch with what happens in uh, in those particular games. Um, but I think we're going to leave it there for this week. Uh, I think we've covered pretty much everything we wanted to cover. Uh, Jez has had to, uh, had to flee the call early because he has a prior appointment. So I just want to say thanks to, uh, to Jez for joining us this week. And of course, thank you to Phil as usual. Much appreciated. Thank you. Okay, and uh, we'll be back uh, probably this time next week. I think it's safe to say Mondays are a fairly regular day now where we'll look back at uh, another weekend of Liga action. And one thing is for sure, this title race, the European race, the relegation race, they're all going to the wire. So uh, whatever you do this weekend, no matter who you support, uh, tune in, give it some love and enjoy your French football. We'll speak to you very soon. <laughs>